As I said before, we are in Numbers chapter 24 tonight. If you want to grab your Bibles, Numbers chapter 24. We are actually going to, again, start a, little, a couple chapters back. Because this story that we see here, again, it's kind of the same thing as we did last week. You can't understand what's going on in Numbers chapter 24 unless we read these other chapters and see the whole story. I'm going to really try to fly through it and not stop and take so long so that we can grab a lot of information and really get a full picture of what's going on. So please, family, gird up your minds. Get focused. Get ready to study the Word of God. And to hide it in your hearts. And to walk away blessed tonight. God wants to do a work in you, and He wants to do a work in me. But it's only those who are willing. It's only those who desire to draw close to Him. So we're going to start here in Numbers chapter 22. And what we're looking at tonight, we're going to go Numbers 22, 23, and 24. So it's going to be a lot of reading. And I'm going to tell the story as we go, and maybe stop with a couple principles and application. And then close with something at the end. There's just going to be story time. And so, get ready. If you don't have a Bible, you can just listen. But if you want to read, read along, then you can. That'd be great. As we read along together. Starting in Numbers chapter 22, the story of Balaam. Chapter 22, verse 1. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on the side Jordan by Jericho. Stop right there. I actually know where this is. I know the exact freeway. I can think of it. It's on, it's on the one there in uh, Jerusalem. And uh, there's the Dead Sea, and it's on the, um, the west side of the Dead Sea. And I remember driving down this road many times, and I would look to my right, and there's Jericho. Just say uh, it's a flat place. There's a couple hills around, but it's just flat grass all the way around. And the Dead Sea is to the right. Verse 2. And Balak the son of Zipporah, I'm sorry, Zippor, saw all the all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. Verse 4, And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are around us? And the oxen lick up the grass, as the oxen lick up the grass of the field? And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Did you hear that? Stop there. So who is this? Balak. King of the Moabites. That's who he is. He's king of the Moabites. And he's scared that the Israelites are going to come in and what? Lick him up. Just like what? A cow licks up the grass off the ground. So he's like, I'm scared. I'm king. I don't know what to do. Look what he's about to do. So verse 5, he sends messengers, therefore, unto Balaam. So who do we have? Balak? Who is who? King of Moab. Say it with me. Balak is who? King of Moab. Okay? Balak is the king of Moab. And now we have a new character introduced, Balaam. He is the son of Beor to Pethor. Verse 5 which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. These people that just came out of Egypt are who? The Israelites, right? Verse 6, Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, these people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure, I say, prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I woke that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and whom thou cursed is cursed. So stop there. So this king, King Moab, what does he do? He sends messengers to who? Balaam. He sends messengers to who? Balaam. You with me? He sends messengers to who? Balaam. Who sends messengers? Balak, the king of Moab. Who's Balak? The king of Moab. Who's Balaam? He's a prophet false prophet we'll see, a little buster but check this out verse 7, and the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand, and they came unto Balaam, and spake unto him with words of Balak, so now they're bringing the words to Balaam, in verse 8 and he said unto him, lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam 
And God came to Balaam and said, What are these men with thee? I like that. Stop there. So these guys walk up, and they say the whole story like, Dude, you've got to help us curse you know, these people, these people who just came out of Egypt, because, well, our king is a little bummed out because he thinks that they're going to come in and lick us up, just like a cow licks up the grass off the field. They're going to wipe us out, and so we've got to do something. So we want you to curse the people. And so what does he do? Balaam, right? Balak is who? King of Moab, right? Balaam is who? Balak is who? The king of Moab. Balaam is his prophet. So Balaam, he, he listens to these guys, and he goes and he, start, he goes and tries to talk to God. And what does God say? What are you doing with these guys? Like that. What men are these with thee? <laughs> And look at verse 10. Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying... Look at that. He didn't even answer God's question. He just jumped to conclude. He just jumped, jumped subjects there. God says, Who are these men that are with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me to you to say this. Not even listening to the Father already. Verse 11. Behold, there is a people that come out of Egypt, which cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. Verse 12. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Stop there. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It's like, okay. It's like if some random guy over here, say, say Starbucks coffee shop, <laughs> comes down the king of Starbucks over there, and he comes over to Brian. He's like, hey, Brian. Uh, will you go seek the face of God to curse uh, the upper room Bible study, please? And Brian agrees. <laughs> and he goes and he starts talking to God, and he's like, uh, hey, Lord. And the Lord goes, Brian, what are you doing with Starbucks, guys? You know you don't do that. And then Brian goes, well, change subject. Uh, you know, the king of Starbucks kind of came to me, and... Um, wants me to curse the people, you know, the people he let out of Egypt. And God's like, what? I, I, he says, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed, verse 12. You're not going to curse my... Can you imagine? It's like, what if somebody walked up to you, if you were a parent, and said, um, can I curse your children? I'd look at the guy and be like... <laughs> Five across the eye for you. I mean, that's ridiculous. Who would ever do that? But Balaam, I mean, what does he think he's doing this? God tells him, he's just like, dude, they're blessed, man. Guess who they're... And I'm surprised the Lord didn't drop in there. Guess who they're blessed by? Me. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say that yet, but check this out, verse 13. And Balaam rose up in the morning, and he said unto the prince of Balak, or the king, Get into your land... For the Lord refused to give me leave to go with you. And the prince of Moab, or the princes of Moab, rose up and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Okay, so these princes of, remember the king, are just like, they listen, Balaam says, dude, I'm not coming with you guys. Brian would say, Starbucks guy is not coming with you. I'm not going back to the king. Because the Lord said, dude, I'm not going to curse these people. So they go back and they tell the king, Brian's not coming. He's not coming. Look what happens. Verse 15, And Balak sent yet again princes, more and more honorable than they. So he sent some higher chiefs here, some big dogs. See, at first he just sent the manager of Starbucks. So now he's sending the corporation, he's sending the big dogs here, back to Brian. And there in verse 16, And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming with us. For I will promote you unto a very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do, to do less or more. So what happens here is the big dogs come, the corporation, corporate comes over, and they try to get...
Balaam to come again. But he says, look guys, even if you gave me all the silver, even if you gave me if you gave me my own Starbucks, look, I can't go, okay? I can't curse the people unless God does it. And so God ain't going to do it, so I don't know what to do about it. You guys got to figure it out. Look what happens. Verse 19. Therefore I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me. And God came unto Balaam that night, and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shall you do. Okay, stop there. Okay, so this whole story, this whole thing, remember, the king of Moab is bummed out because he's about to get licked like the grass off the field by the Israelites. He's about to get whooped on. He's scared, and so he tries to get this prophet to curse the Israelites. Balaam goes and prays to God, and God's like, what are you doing with these guys? Why are you even hanging out with them? And he's like, well, this is what happened. You know, they want you to curse the people. God's like, you're not going to curse them. They're blessed. And then so they send more big dogs, and they come and they approach him again. Look, we'll give you a Starbucks, or we'll give you a, anything you want. We'll give you a house of silver and all the rest. And he's like, look, man, I can't do anything that the Lord doesn't allow me to do or allow me to say it's not going to happen. And so... There at the end, God tells him, he's like, okay, look, if the men ask you to go with, then you can go. But look what happens. Verse 21, And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. What? They didn't ask him to go, he just got up and left. And so he's disobeying now. He's not listening. So now he is going with the enemy. He has got up, these guys who want to curse Israelites, he's got up and he's gone with the enemy. Verse 22, And God's anger was kindled because he went. See that? God's anger was kindled. He was bummed, man. He's bummed out on him because God just told me, said, Hey, Balaam, if the guys ask you to go, then you can go. But the guys didn't ask him to go. He just saddled up and went anyways. He didn't listen to the word of the Lord. Sounds like us. A lot of the times the Lord hasn't told us to go and we jump the gun many times because we think that we got it down. We think we know what's best. We need to be patient, friends. Patient in things. If the Lord hasn't said go or hasn't said do or hasn't said make this happen right now, then you are not to do it. And if the Lord says to do something and you don't do it, we're missing it again. Simple principle. But it's something that we need to know in our lives, right? I mean, it's something we need to start applying right now because I think it's the basics of Christianity. But for some reason, like 80% of the church are like hypocrites. We don't really read and we don't really spend time with our king. And we don't... I was exhorting some brothers the other night. And spending time with Jesus by yourself, it's the most crucial thing we could do. The most prominent thing that we should place above all. You know what that means? They're like, oh, Josh, I spent time with God. Oh, really? Yeah, look at me. I'm at Bible study tonight. Everybody does that, friend. You know what counts? Is the time you spend in your room by yourself. That's what counts, man. That's what nobody does. The question is, how many of us have spent 30 minutes, just 30 minutes a day can we spend with our Jesus by ourselves, praying to Him and talking to Him? Not studying, just, just spend time just praying and talking to Him. It's a simple task. But we can't pull it off for some reason. And I think that's where faithfulness comes. And that's where God decides to do amazing things. And He has called us and asked us to do this, definitely. But we choose not to listen daily. And the reason why I say this is because I struggle with this within my own life, family. I I say this off the pulpit so many times, and I find myself not obeying that command. So if I'm struggling, I believe the rest of the church is probably too. That we all have a problem with this. And so, guys, you wonder why we get burnt out and why we get tired. You know why? It's because we don't hang out with Jesus. Look, you can go to study seven days a week. You're going to get something. But I'm telling you, you might get a little burnt out. You can start serving and go witnessing or do all kinds of things. You get burnt out. You can disciple, you can pray for people at church, you can minister, you can lead study, you can do all kinds of things. You can study this book till you're blue in the face. I say this phrase a lot, but 
If you read this book your entire life but never prayed, you have nothing. But if you if a person didn't have a Bible and they prayed their whole life, they still have everything. You see? Because it's a relationship. Doesn't matter how much you know. You know there's people that are gonna miss heaven by eighteen inches. Eighteen inches. It's eighteen inches from your head to your heart. Because they got it here, but they don't have it here. They don't have a relationship with God. And that's what counts, family. That's what it's about. It's about listening to the word of the Lord in your own life. Listening to the word of the Lord tonight. And I wonder if even 5% of us tonight will go home and get on our face. And spend 20 or 30 minutes with our king. It's almost like I'm willing to bet money against the church. But family, wouldn't it be a sweet day when we prove everyone wrong? And is it a bummer to hang out with Jesus? No. Gosh. I found in my life, it is the greatest blessing overall. It's better than teaching. It is better than ministering. It is better than laying hands on somebody and praying for them. It is better than leading anything. Spending time with Jesus is something that refreshes me every single time. Every time. Speaking doesn't refresh me every time. Studying doesn't refresh me every time. Praying for somebody, serving in a ministry, doing these things, going to church, do not refresh me every time. But spending time with my Jesus by myself, slam dunk, slam dunk. You get my gist? I want you to get this because that is the secret. If I could be known for anything that I preach off this pulpit, if I died today, I hope the thing that would rest in the people's hearts is that I encouraged and exhausted the point of spending time with Jesus by yourself. That's what the Old Testament prophets did. That's what Paul, Peter, James, John, all these guys, that was the secret to their ministry. Period. If you want to be blessed and you want to move forward in your walk with the Lord, there is the key. Listen to your God. Let's get back to our story. So Balaam ends up going off with these guys. He's not supposed to. He's going to the king of Moab. Look verse 22. God was angry with him. Kindled against his anger kindled against him because he went with them. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon a donkey, and his two servants were with him. Okay. So Balaam's riding on a donkey, and God says that he put angel of the Lord in front of him. Uh-oh. Look what's about to happen. So, an angel of the Lord is standing in front of him. He's riding on a donkey, two servants. Where is he going? Remember, he's going to hang out with the king of Moab. The Lord's trying to stop him. Verse 23, And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the donkey to turn her into the way. Stop there. So what happens? Angel of the Lord standing there with a sword. Okay, now, we've seen some pretty gnarly swords in our day, but what, what kind of, what's a spiritual sword? I mean, snap, what is this thing? You know, it's like, is it like 20 feet tall? You know, I mean, it's the angel of the Lord. Many people think that this is Jesus Christ himself standing there in the way. The angel of the Lord, every single time it references to the angel of the Lord. They say, they call it a Christophany in the Old Testament, where it's a picture of Jesus. It's actually... The angel of the Lord is seen when Joshua goes into battle. The angel of the Lord is seen, I believe, there's a few other times. The angel of the Lord, uh, I'm not going to get into all of it. I can start. But um, the angel of the Lord is pictures of Jesus many times. So here he is, standing there with a sword drawn. I mean, this thing was probably bad. Just like before. And the donkey could see. The angel, the donkey could see. And that, that makes me believe that, I believe, probably that animals probably can see the spiritual I mean, I, I don't think it, it, it's anything to them. It's just like, oh yeah, that's what goes on. Like, It's just natural to them. They don't know any other way. Many times when I was walking in the desert in Mexico, I'd walk past cows and horses all the times, and I'd ask them, like, did the Lord just walk by here? Because they know. They do. Is there a donkey, though? This donkey that Balaam's riding on sees the angel of the Lord with a sword drawn. What happens? He's like, snap, the donkey's like, snap, I'm out of here. And he, he kicks off into the field and runs. And look what Balaam does. He starts smoting the donkey. He starts hitting, beating the donkey. 
Get back on the road. You know, you don't do that. Get back over there. Look what happens next. 24. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, got back on another path, a wall being on this side and on a wall on that side. So they're going towards the vineyard, and there's, there's walls on each side of them. There's one path, and the angel of the Lord is standing there in the path. And look what happens. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. So there they are riding, and there's the walls on each side. They're riding towards the vineyard. The angel of the Lord standing there. And the, the donkey sees the angel of the Lord again, sword drawn, it's just like, oh, you know, runs into the wall, and there goes his foot. <laughs> ah! Starts beating the donkey again with the stick or whatever he has in hand. Look at verse 26. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn either to the right or the left. Uh oh. So now a really narrow place has come up and the angel of the Lord's standing right in the narrow spot. It's like, you're not coming through here, buddy. I'm stopping you right now. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he beat the donkey with a staff. Man. So it dropped to the ground. He got off, grabbed the stick, and just like... Just hammering on this donkey, just smashing it with a staff, and look what happens. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done to you, that you have smitten me these three times? So three times to be exact, he got, the donkey got worked with the staff. Three times. Interesting. You're probably thinking, like, a donkey talked? Yeah, man. Think of it this way. If you can believe that God created this earth in seven days, God can open the mouth of a donkey. It's no big deal. It's not a very big issue. So this donkey opens its mouth and just like, what have I done to you that you're going to beat me three times? And check this out, verse 29. And Balaam said unto the donkey, what? He's talking to a donkey. Because you have mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. <laughs> this, is, this is beautiful. It's like, yeah, you're lucky I only got a staff, buddy. I would slaughter you right now. And the donkey said unto Balaam, the conversation continues, Am not I a donkey, upon which you have ridden ever since I was unto this day? Was I ever wont to do unto you or he's just saying, is there anything that I never did that you didn't want? And he says, no. He said no to the donkey. It's like the donkey is outsmarting him now. It's like, have I ever done anything to you that you, you know, would cause me to jump from this way or that? Balaam's like, no. Okay. Verse 31, Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed his face, he bowed his head, and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thy donkey these three times? Or, why have you beat the donkey? Behold, I went out to withstand you, because thy way is perverse before me. And the donkey saw me, and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee, and saved her life. Uh Uh-oh. So the angel was just like, dude, Jesus speaking to Balaam, man, you lucked out, man. Because you know what, if that donkey wouldn't have done that, and I hadn't opened her mouth, I would have, I would have killed you. Because you're disobeying the Lord, you're running from God, and you're going to curse my people. You're lucky. I would have killed you and saved the donkey's life. For the donkey obeys. Isn't that a great point? Anytime donkeys obey and we don't, you know, you want to know why God, I I just, there's some people in my life, there are some, like, guys that I know, there's one guy in particular that I think about, he maybe isn't the coolest guy on the face of the earth, and he maybe isn't, you know, just like, everything that the world says is awesome, but you know what, he is faithful, and he obeys the Lord, the sweetest heart, and he is exalted in my mind, I look up to him. He doesn't know it. But I want to be like him. 
I want to have a soft and humbled, contrite heart before the Lord that obeys the King. A blessing unto me. Many times we look around us and we think that it's the prophet who is the one who is faithful to God. The one standing up proclaiming. But many times the one who the society would look at and say is the donkey. This is the one that obeys. That goes to show you, family. It doesn't matter what the world says. It matters where your heart's at. And God will exalt you in due time and He will work those things in you. If you are faithful. If you obey. I think of little little David. The little shepherd boy out in the field. Smells like sheep. The skinny little guy out there in the middle of nowhere. It's just like... Who's the one that's going to be king? i got all my sons here. Look at these guys, strapping young boys. Which one? Which one is it? No, it's not him. No, it's not him. No, it's not him. No, it's, but what do you mean? These are all the boys I have. No, there's got to be one other. But these are the strapping young men. These are the ones who will lead your army. These are the studs. This is what Hollywood wants right here. This is who's going to be king. No, this isn't. These aren't the ones. Oh, well, I mean, I remember... We had this shepherd boy out there uh, playing with the sheep. Bring him in. This is the one who will lead Israel. This will be the greatest king Israel has ever seen. It's the one who seeks God with all of his heart. That will be blessed. Doesn't matter if you're a donkey, friend. Does not matter. I feel that way sometimes. (sighs) When I hang out with smart guys like Jay Martyr, you know, I could just... There are many things that I struggle with on the inside. Maybe it doesn't look like that, or maybe it doesn't seem like that. I share with Robert and Brian all the time. There are many things that haunt me and, and, and come and get heavy on me. But I know that if I'm faithful to my God and I obey Him, that He will pull me through to the very end. Let's read to the end and close up this chapter. These next two chapters are a lot shorter. This one is 40 verses, so... Verse 34, And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stiddest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. So he continues on with these guys, but the Lord is going to try and use him as an instrument to serve these guys a dish. Balaam ends up doing something else. Let's continue reading. Verse 36, And when Balak heard, remember who's Balak? King of Moab. When Balak heard that Balaam was come, he went out to meet him under the city of Moab, which is in the border of Aaron, Arnon, which is in the utmost coast. And Balak said unto Balaam, Did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word of God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. And, and Balaam went unto Balak, and they came to Kerjath Huzoth. And Balak offered oxen and sheep, and sent to Balaam and the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the morrow, or tomorrow, the next day, that Balaam took, Balak took Balaam and brought him into the high places of Baal, Baal, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. Stop there. So he comes and he meets with the king of Moab, and the king of Moab is like, all right, let's go. I'm taking you up to a high mountain. And look what happens. They set up an altar, seven altars and seven bulls. And guess who's doing this work? It's not Balaam. It's the king. Interesting. The king is investing money. Like, he really wants these people to be cursed. He really wants these people to be served a dish. Chapter 23. Let's move on. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here. Here it is. Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoke. And Balak and Balaam offered an on every altar a bull and a ram. So he hasn't built the altar there on that mountain. And notice, they went up to the high place of Baal. Baal is a pagan god. This is sickening. They go up to this place of sacrifice for Baal, this idol worship, 
and they set up altars here, and they try to offer. I mean, this whole thing is just sick. Think about it. They go up to Baal. They start offering offerings unto God so that people will be cursed. This is terrible. Verse 3. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by the burnt offering, and I will go. Peradventure to the Lord will come to meet me. And whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to a high place. So he went to a higher place to seek God. I like that. Sometimes that's my favorite place to go, is the high place. I go up on a little hill, like right around the corner from our house, and that's where I spend time with my God. My favorite place to spend, because it's away from everything. It's high up. It's quiet. Me and the Lord. Verse 4, And God met Balaam, and he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have offered up every altar of a bullock and a ram. Verse 5, And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. Verse 6, And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood in his burnt sacrifice, he and the prince of Moab. And he took up this parable and said, Balak the king of Moab has brought me from Aram, out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come curse me, Jacob, and come defile or defy Israel. So Balaam is about to prophesy. Get ready. This is what he says. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 8. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord has not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I'll stop there before I jump into that verse. So he tells him straight up, Look, dude, the thesis of this statement is there in verse 8. You there? How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I curse who God has not cursed? I did a devotional on this. I did the devotional. It was yesterday. How can I curse whom God has not cursed? What does that mean? Friends, how can we as a family put down anyone whom God will not curse? Who, Josh? People in the church. Brothers and sisters of Christ. Has there ever been a time when you've had a conversation with God and He has talked bad about somebody in the church? Never. So why would we ever feel the inclination to be able to speak negatively about anyone in the church ever? Ever. This happens many times, and I, it happens with me. I, I find myself saying something negative and, and putting someone down. And family, we've got to be on guard about this. How can we curse who God will not curse? We can't. We should not. It should never happen. Period. And I would ask, here in this group, that we would purpose in our hearts to say nothing negative about anyone ever, unless we are going to be praying for them diligently, and seeking to lay hands on them, and if we are going to approach them about the issue and talk to them about it. But unless we have done that already, and are still praying for them, we are to share with no one. And the only reason we should ever share with someone is why? So that they can pray with us, so that they can help maybe counsel or do something, or give me some advice, period. Many times we use it as an opportunity to put people down. There's division in the church like crazy, man. It's a bummer. Let me ask you this. Why don't you tell me some things that are going on in your life that are negative and that you've messed up in? And I'm going to go talk to somebody about it because we need to pray about it. I'm going to go tell somebody about that. How would you like that? How would that feel? You'd be bummed. Because instantly in that person's mind that I tell, they are going to degrade you. Just like that you're going to be looked down upon. And so that is why it's so crucial that we watch our mouths. We'd be very careful with what we say to anyone. Because if you would not like anyone saying the thing that you're about to say about you, then you should not be saying it. Period. And if God will not say it, then you should never say it. If you have problems with people, then I would encourage you to do this. Never cut them down and never talk bad. You just pick from the fruit in their life that you see. What? That's right. Look into their life and see the thing that they are a blessing in and pick from that fruit and eat of it. But anything else, we are not to cut one another down, family. Beloved, let us love one another. 
For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. But he that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. So, beloved, let us love one another. Don't curse whom God will never curse. Remember, family, you may be looking at that brother or sister in Christ, thinking, uh, this and that. Well, guess what? Jesus' blood has covered them, and God loves them just as much as He loves you. And He loves hanging out with them just as much as He loves hanging out with you. He loves that person, He cherishes them, and that's His boy. We cannot curse whom God will not curse. Who will God curse? Hey, the pagan, the heathen, the cult. Cut that tree down in Jesus' name. You cut that tree down and you throw it out ASAP. But anyone who loves Jesus and is following Him has confessed Him as Lord. How dare you ever call someone out or speak negatively about them. I'm heavy on this issue, family, because it's happened to me a hundred times. When people come to me and say, so-and-so said this and this and this. What? Somebody comes and rebukes me about this or that. And I say, what? And then I wonder, why didn't that person come to me first, like the Bible tells them to do? Be careful. Me too. Amen? I don't want to come down on you guys heavy in this way and make you feel a bum, but family, it's an issue, man. That's our church, isn't it? Many people run from church because they don't want to be a part of church because that's the way we act. It's like they run away from the world to get away from those things, all this gossip and slander and putting down. They step into a place that is filled with it more than ever. You know what's going to change? It's going to be people like you. It's going to be people like you making a stand, and when somebody starts saying that to you, you say, uh-uh, not listening. Sorry, man, I mean, you know, I, I just don't want to hear that. <laughs> not down for that. One more quick story on that. Me and my buddy were doing a promo for the Harvest Crusade just last week. And the pastor of this church that we were at, or the assistant pastor, he was talking to my buddy. And he started like, and then he was asking about some church down the street that we saw. Pretty nice church. Like, it seemed like a big church. Like, things were happening there, cranking. So we asked him, he's like, oh, so how are things going over at that church and this and that? And the assistant pastor was just like, oh, you don't even know what's going on there. The pastor does this, 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 and this. I mean, it's terrible. Don't go over there. You want to stay away from that. And, and that sounded familiar like another church that my buddy knew about. He said, uh, you know what? I think you got that wrong. That's actually this church that you're speaking about that did that. And the guy's like, oh, 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 that's right. Actually, it's not that church. Jeez, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, what are you doing? You're, you're starting rumors, man. You're destroying people's lives. You're cutting down a church. We must be careful. Simple, small mess-ups like that slip. Gosh, cuts so deep and messes so many people up. But you know what, family? If people are saying those things about you, or, or it's all right. You know what I've learned to do is to keep my mouth shut. And just to be the lamb before the slaughter. Hey, slaughter me. Put me down. And I'm just going to go into my closet and pray. I'm not going to stand up on my pulpit and shout. Make sure everybody hears. Defend myself and make my point why I wasn't in this and that. You just say, hey, if you're not guilty, you don't have to defend yourself, you see. You just kick back and say, Lord, whatever you want. If they want to persecute me, amen. Let's move on. Uh-oh. Where are we at? We are in verse 11. That's right. And Balaam had just ended up saying to Balak, the king, Look, man, can't curse who God doesn't curse straight up. Verse 11. And Balak, remember the king, he says unto Balaam, What, is you, what have you done to me? I took you to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. I wrote in my Bible, laugh out loud. Because <laughs> it's funny, man. It's like, the king looks at him, you idiot. I brought you up here to, to curse the people, and you bless them. What's wrong with you? Laugh out loud. Verse 12, and he said, and, and Balaam answered, must I not take heed to speak which the Lord has put in my mouth? He's saying, look, man, I can only say what the Lord puts in my mouth. And Balak said unto him, come, the king, come, I pray thee, with me unto another place from whence thou may see them. And thou shalt see but the utmost part of them, and shalt not see them at all. And curse 
me them from thence. So what does he do? He says, fine, you blessed them, now guess what, we're going to go to another mountain. I'm taking you to another place. Verse 14, And he brought him into the field of Zophim, the top of Fizgath, which means hills, and brought seven altars, and offered a bull and a ram on every altar. And he said unto Balak, Stand here by the burnt offering while I meet with the Lord yonder. So there it is. He told him again, build seven more altars, offer seven more bulls, and I'm going to go hang out with the Lord. Check this out. Look what happens. Verse 16, And the Lord met with Balaam, and put a word in his mouth, and said, Go against Balak, and say thus, And when he came unto him, behold, he stood at the burnt offering, and the prince of Moab with him, or the king. And Balak said unto him, What has the Lord spoken? So he's all waiting, his mouth is drooling. He, can't, he wants to hear what the Lord has said. He wants to see if he's going to curse the people. Verse 18, And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, the son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and shall not do it? Has he spoken, and shall not be made it good? It's like, has the Lord, real quick, has the Lord ever sent something that he was going to do and not do it? He said he was going to bless the people, homie. It ain't going to happen. No curse is coming. Verse 20, Behold, I have received commandment to bless. I like that. And he had blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He received the command to bless, and he can't reverse it. God said, I'm going to bless my people. They will not be cursed. Verse 21, And he has not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither has he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord, his God, is with him. And the shout of a king is among them. Oh, oh, I love that. Love those verses. The shout of a king is among them. Who? Balaam, remember, is speaking to Balak, the king of Moab. And he's like, dude, I can't do anything because the shout of the king is among them. Who's the king? Who's the king of kings, man? The shout of Jesus is among them. They can't do anything. I cannot do anything but bless these people. Verse 22, And God brought them out of Egypt, and has, as it were, by the strength of and of a unicorn. Verse 23, Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to the time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What has God brought? Verse 24, And behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion, and lift himself up as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink of the blood, or drink the blood of the slain. Stop there. Do you remember in Numbers chapter 2, way back when, the formation of the tabernacle? The formation of the Israelites? Do you remember? If you were to stand up on the mountain and look down at the tribes of Israel, what would you see? Do you remember that study we did? You would see a cross. Why? Because that's the way the people were stationed. And I, I could go through it and illustrate it to you, but there is such and such amount of people here on the, on the top. There in the north, there's such and such amount of people here, and there's such and such amount of people here, such and such amount of people here. So if you're looking down upon the nation of Israel, what you would see is a tabernacle in the center, and they would be spread out in the shape of a cross. And Balaam and Balak are standing up here on this mountain looking down on Israel, and it's like the shout of the king is there. I'm looking down at the cross. What a great picture. You can't curse. You cannot curse it. You can only bless it. Verse 25, And Balak said unto Balaam, Neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. He's fed up. You see that? The king's like, King of Moab's like, Okay, fine. You're not going to bless? Fine. I mean, you're not going to curse? Fine. Don't bless him either. Don't do anything, please. Because he's already blessed him twice. So look what happens. Verse 26, But Balaam answered and said unto him, Told I not thee saying that all the Lord speak that I must do? He's like, Dude, I told you, man. Everything that I speak, it's what the Lord says. That's all I can do. Verse 27, And Balaam said unto, Balak said unto Balaam, Come, I pray thee, and I will bring you into another place. For adventure it will please God, that thou mayest curse them from thence. Verse 28, And Balak brought Balaam unto the top of Peor, that looked towards Jeshimon. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, here it is again, and prepare me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did, as Balaam has said, and offered a bull and a ram on every altar. Alright, you ready? Twenty-five more verses and we're done. So they go to another hill. This is the third time. 
gosh, I mean, doesn't the guy get it? Hello, man, God ain't going to curse the people. Sometimes we don't get it. <laughs> Many times, we are a great picture of the people of Israel not getting it that God's going to provide for us, not getting it that God's going to pull through for us, not getting that God is going to supply and be a God for us. So they go up to this another place, this other place, and uh, they offer up more bulls, and look at verse 1 of chapter 24. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, oh, I love that, he went not as other times to seek for enchantment, but he set his face toward the wilderness. What? Uh-oh. Did you see that? A change. What did he do the other times? Set up the altar? Set up the bulls? We're on a mountain? Okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to go seek the Lord and ask Him to curse the people. And what happens? This time, he says that he knew in his heart that the Lord would not curse the people, but only bless them. He knew that it pleased the Lord to bless. So what happens? He's like, I'm not going to go seek the Lord for this. I'm not going to go and try to ask the Lord to curse the people. So what does he do? He turns his face toward the wilderness. And look what happens in verse 2. And Balaam lifted his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in their tents according to their tribes. There it is. Numbers chapter 2. And the Spirit of God came upon him. So all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came upon him. Verse 3. And he took his parable... And he said, Balaam the son of Beor has said, The man whose eyes are open has said, He has said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. Look at this, he's about to prophesy. He's standing there with his eye. He's looking out into the wilderness. The Spirit of God has come upon him. Balaam is about to prophesy. Look what happens. Verse 4. He has said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, having his eyes open. How godly are thy tents, O Jacob. Who's Jacob? It's speaking of Israel. And thy tabernacles, O Israel. As the valleys are they spread forth, as gardens by the riverside, as the trees of line aloes, which the Lord has planted, and as cedar trees by the side of the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. And his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. Verse 8. God brought him forth out of Egypt, and he has, as it were, in the strength of a unicorn, he has eat up the nations, or he shall eat up the nations of his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. Verse 9. And he couched, he laid down as a lion, and a great lion, who shall stir him up. Blessed is he that blesses thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. Whoa. So he starts prophesying about how wonderful and awesome Israel is, and how beautiful they are. And then he says that the Lord will protect them, and that he'll knock down anybody who comes in their way. And what's the last phrase there? The last phrase there. Genesis chapter 12. Do you remember the promise? Blessed is he that blesses thee, and cursed is he that curses thee. And that's what I spoke about today in the devotional. Blessed are those who pray for Israel, and cursed are those who rise up against Israel. You want to know why the only reason I think that America is still surviving today? Who are we in the world? We are like the sin nation. Look at us. We're wicked, man. We party like crazy, and we, I mean, we're so far off from God. We're hypocritical. We say, God bless America, but it's the sin nation. In the world, that's what they call us. In the Middle East, time and time again, they'd be like, oh, America is full of sin. That's what they do of it, is party and is crazy. But guess what? Why have we not gotten destruction? I believe the only reason is because we support Israel. We are the only nation in the world that fully supports and backs Israel. Did you know that? Every other nation in the world does not fully back Israel. There are some countries, like one or two, I think, that are kind of have their hand in there and kind of help out, but the rest of the world does not support Israel. You know how big Israel is? They say it's the size of San Bernardino County. This little nation. Why can't why can't some nation just come and wipe them off the face of the earth? What's the deal? It's because God has His hand on them, and anybody who curses them will be cursed, and anyone who blesses them will be blessed. As long as we bless Israel, we will be blessed. And the election's coming up, and it's a scary day for the president that does not help Israel, because the hand of God will come off this nation, and you'll watch our economy fall very quickly. I promise you that. As Rome fell, we will fall. I guarantee it. If you want to be blessed, pray for Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Verse 10. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam. See, because he blessed the people again. 
And he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto Balaam, I call thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. <laughs> he gets, the king gets upset again. Look, what, look what's happening. Okay, I'm Balaam. Okay, you know, I can't curse the people anymore. I'm turning towards the wilderness. The Spirit of God comes upon me. I start prophesying about Israel. Bless, and, and I bless Israel. And I'm over here like in this trance, like prophesying. You know, the Spirit of God is on me. And what does the king do? It says he claps his hands together. You know, like maybe trying to startle Balaam and get his attention. Like, stop that! You know, then he, he looks at him he's like, Dude, I, I told you to, to curse him and this is the third time you blessed him. What's wrong with you? It's ticked. And then look at verse 11. Now therefore flee thou unto the place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor. The king's speaking. Like, I was going to help you out, Balaam. I was going to promote you. But lo, the Lord has kept thee back from honor. Yeah, right. It says the Lord has kept him back from honor. Oh, you, ooh, I'll slap that fool. He just said that the Lord stopped. The king is saying to Balaam, the Lord has stopped you from gaining great honor. What? It's the Lord who gives and takes away. Verse 13. And Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold. I'm sorry, verse 12. And Balak said unto Balak, Spake I not unto you also thy messengers which thou sentest unto me, saying, If Balak would give me a house of silver and gold and all the rest? I'll stop there and just move on to verse 14. And now behold, I go unto my people. Come therefore and I will advertise thee what this people shall do to thy people in the latter days. He's just saying, you know what, man, didn't I tell you already? doesn't matter if you give me all the gold or whatever, I can only speak what God's telling me. Verse 15, And he took up his parable and said, Balaam, the son of Behor, has said, and the man whose eyes are open has said, and he has said, which hear the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, he's prophesying again. I shall see unto him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. Who's the star that comes out of Jacob? It's a prophecy. The star that will come out of Jacob. The star. It is the same star that's spoken about in Matthew chapter 2 when the shepherds saw that star in the sky. This is the star that will come from Jacob. Who's Jacob? Israel. The star that will come from Israel is Jesus. It's our king being spoken about right here. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. He is the scepter, Jesus. And shall smite the corners of Boab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Verse 18, And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies. And Israel shall do vanity. Out of Jacob shall come. He that, the, uh, he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. These are all prophecies that are being brought forth. And verse 20, And when he looked upon Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but later end shall be that, perish forever. He's saying that Amalek will be wiped off the face of the earth forever. Even though it was, it's one of the biggest nations, it will wipe, be wiped out. Verse 21, He looked, and the Kenites, which, stood, which took up his parable and said, Strong is thy dwelling place, thou puttest a nest in a rock. I could talk about that too, we won't. We'll just move on. You guys can go back and check these things out. Verse 22, Nevertheless, the Canaanite shall waste until Asher shall carry thee away captive. And he took up his parable and said, At last, who shall live when God does this? Verse 24, And ships shall come from the coast of Shittim, and shall afflict Asher, and shall afflict Eber, and he also shall perish forever. And Balaam rose up and went and returned to his palace, and Balak also went his way. Wow. Very long, I know. But family, I'm blessed that you've girded up your minds and that you've stayed attentive. The blessing in this, the blessing in a long sermon, is the fact that your mind will stretch and you will be able to listen longer next time. <laughs> Just kidding. But I love, sometimes I do, when I listen to John Corson messages, he'll go for like an hour and 30 minutes sometimes. And um, as I listen and my mind grows weary, I understand that the longer I listen, I wouldn't listen to some six-hour lecture like two weeks ago, and I hadn't sit in a lecture in so long since college, since Cal State, and I, 
and it had been so long, and I realized that my mind was so adapted to 45 minutes, and it's just like, oh, I'm done. You know, I just can't listen anymore. You know, my ears don't work anymore. Or a 30-minute TV program or, or an hour program, and I'm done. But I would encourage you guys to continue to stretch your minds and to take these words. There at the end of the story, do you see what happens? He pretty much tells them there at the end, he's like, Balaam says to Balak, King, I'm going to go home right now, but guess what? I'm going to tell you one last thing. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to your people, how Israel is going to wipe them off the face of the earth. And that's the bottom line. It's like, you will not be able to curse them, and they're going to be wiped out. The bummer is this. Balaam is spoken about three times in the New Testament, in Second Peter, in Revelation chapter 2, and Second. oh gosh, what is the other one? Jude 11, that's what it is. Three times spoken about, and he's spoken about as a false prophet, a false teacher, kind of like a bad guy. Now why? Because you'll see what happens in the next few chapters as we read together. This is what Balaam ends up doing. Balaam ends up doing. He can't curse the people, so what does he do? He's like, King, guess what? I got an idea. This is what you can do. Go get the Moabite woman, the prostitutes, and send them into the camp of Israel, and the men will be ripped off, and they'll be destroyed. Guess what? Balaam ends up dying for that. And I can't remember the number, but a huge sum of people end up dying because of this act. The moral of all this story is basically this. You cannot curse whom God does not curse. And we should bless those that God blesses. You guys hear that loud and clear? Let me see what time it is. Yeah, we're way over. It's probably the long, longest sermon I've ever taught. It just so happens to be many of you guys are sitting on concrete and standing in the back, and I thank you. But family, I'm going to pray right now that God would just throw away all the things that maybe have caused your mind to grow weary and throw away all the things that were just worthless babble. And that you would meditate on the things that God has spoken to you about tonight. That you'd really take heart to those things and sleep on them tonight. Amen? Can I do that? Let's ask the Father. Lord, I thank you for the work that you've done tonight. Lord, I'm sorry it's long. And Lord, if I've said things that I shouldn't, I just pray that you would sweep that away from every single mind right now. Right now, just just throw it away. And God, the things that have been spoken, that have spoken to people's hearts, and it's sitting there in their minds right now, and in their hearts, and things they need to change and get right, I pray that those things would dig deep roots into their hearts, into their souls. And God, that they would be changed in an instant tonight, making a decision right now. Family, I'm going to pray right now that we would make a decision for the things that God has spoken to us about, to change and move forward. Lord, we, your people, are coming to you asking that you'd help us to make a decision right now to move forward in our walks. And Lord, to truly take the words which you've spoken and hide them within us. And right now, as we walk away from this place, changing the way that we act, changing the way that we speak, changing the way that we think. And so God, we lift our lives into your hands. If there's anything you need specifically tonight, Jesus, continue to convict us, continue to open our eyes. Thank you for the work that you've done. Bless these, Jesus. Bless them, Lord. Bless them for being faithful. Bless them for the things that they're obedient in. Bless them, Lord. Thank you for the work that you've done. In your name, amen. 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 Hey, love you guys. Thanks for hanging out so late. If the Lord's spoken to you about something tonight, maybe you should share it with somebody just real quick before you leave. Just five minutes, you know. Why don't, why don't, we, do, why don't we do that? Can we do that? Three minutes. Maybe some of you guys really got to leave. Why don't you just walk you know, up to somebody or the person next to you or whoever you're with and just share if the Lord's spoken anything to you. Anything in this big jumble of three chapters. And if the Lord has spoken, then please just share it quick from your heart. Maybe you can be able to minister to the person next to you because they didn't get anything. 
Or maybe you get to minister to the person next to you and you guys both get a double dose. Amen? So why don't we do that right now? Why don't we just spend just, some, just about three minutes and then go on your way. Let's fellowship, hang out, and, uh, and if you got to leave, then praise the Lord. But Lord, bless you guys, and I'll see you guys next week. Lord, bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. Amen?